What's up everybody? Obviously we're having a little bit of technical difficulties with that video. No problem. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. And so those of you watching online, thank you so much for participating with us. You're absolutely part of us and who we are. And for those of you that are brand new to Grace Church, uh, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I am the lead pastor and I participate in Tacky Christmas Sweater Sunday as well. And so I'm glad you're here. You might not have yours on, but that's okay. Um, we, we love to have fun around here. And so if you uh, are here and you want to participate in communion, we, we had some elements at the, at the auditorium doors as you came in. If you didn't get those, our ushers will serve you in just a minute. But I wanted to make everybody aware online, uh, at the end of the service, we'll do communion. And so if you want to run to the pantry and grab some crackers and juice and stuff, uh, we, that way we can partake together. I'm so excited about that. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 19. Uh, I'll I'll be diving into that passage of scripture. I'm really excited about what God has put on my heart. Uh, it just sometimes is incredible what he shares and how he does it. It just is so neat. And I know some of you have asked what version of the Bible I preach from. So I use the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. It's just the one that I like the most, so I use it the most. Um, but I wanted to, before I get rolling in Luke 19, I just, I wanted to share a little bit of a, a little bit of backstory. Uh, so obviously, you know, this is our building. We've been in here about five months or so. We love it. It's amazing. It's incredible. But I want to share with you just something personally on, on some of the things I was praying for as we got into the building. So we had been planning for years, bought the land in 2016, did a building campaign, all these amazing things, architects, engineers, site construction, all this stuff. You guys saw, many of you saw it being, you know, built and over the last uh, couple of years and stuff. So Several months ago, as we were getting ready to move in, you know, uh, for our dedication service, for our grand opening Sunday, I was, I was having some really, I would say like cool opportunities in, in just communication with the Lord. Just being honest, just so excited about what he was doing, glad that he brought us to this place. But I want to share something that like he, he kind of was, was talking to me and I was like, man, God, I know that there's so many cool things that you're going to do. You know how you're doing something you're like, it's just going to be special. It's going to be really neat. It's going to be need to see it unfold and, and what he wants to do. So I was really looking forward to it. But there were two things that I started praying for personally. And so the first one was I just, I wanted more anointing. Like I wanted anointing to, to lay hands on people and see them healed. I wanted anointing when I was preaching and, and teaching and, and just, I wanted more anointing, just anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because when I read in the Old Testament, uh, God had this conversation with Solomon and he said, hey Solomon, anything that you want, I'll give to you. And so I don't know what you would say, but I know what I would say. And so Solomon was, you know, great. He was a king, he was a leader. And he's like, I want more wisdom. And, and so that's awesome, you know, and he was applauded for that. Wow, you know, of all the things that you could have asked for, you know, wealth and fame, and like he asked for wisdom. And so, but he was a king. He was leading a country. He needed wisdom to do that. And he recognized that at an early age. Well, I'm not a king. I'm a pastor. And so I'm like, God, you know what? If you were to say you can have anything, I'll be like, I want more anointing. Like I truly want your anointing in my life, you know, and how you work through me. And, and so that's just, that's what I'm after. And then the second thing is when I read in the New Testament, you know, when, when Jesus would teach, uh, he, he, one of the things that, that people would say about him is they, they would say, he just teaches with such an incredible amount of authority. And so when I read that, I'm like, Jesus, can I teach like that too? Can I teach with a level of authority? Because it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter if he was in the synagogue, on the, on the hillside, or by the lakeshore. People would hear you know, what he was teaching and saying, and they would go, wow, we've not heard anybody speak with that kind of authority. And so that's so very cool. And so I just, I wanna say those two things 
not, my, my intent is not to build myself up. Really, that's not my intent. If you're new here and you don't know me at all, you know I am fully aware this is not about me. Uh, but I absolutely want to see Christ's name lift up. Jesus is the head of our church, even on our org chart, just FYI, like it's Jesus. And, and so I just, that, that's how we live. That's how we function. And I want to see Christ's kingdom come here on earth. And he picked us as a church to be able to do that in this community. I look forward to Christ's return. I think that's amazing and I'm so excited about it. But I wanna be the type of church where it changes the community. It, it brings just God's presence and his anointing and his authority where we're relentlessly per pursuing after him. You know, where the Holy Spirit's coming and where we create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is not just simply welcome, but he's allowed to move and be active in our lives. And I just, I believe something significant's going to happen. I believe it already is. And I'm praying and believing for even more. And here's why. If you were here last week, I preached a message uh, on the parable of the soils. Mark chapter four, you can take a look at it on your own time. If you, if you weren't here and you wanted to watch it, it's on the YouTube channel. I would strongly encourage you to do that. But here was my intent in doing that. I wanted to focus on us as individuals. We're all a particular soil that things grow in, yes. And so my goal for this Sunday was to build on that and to talk about us as a church, right? So if we're all soils together, what are we to do with that? What's it to look like? And to me, our heart and intent should be to take this to the community, to the streets, to, to our friends and neighbors and coworkers. And so that's what I'm after for this Sunday as we dive into Luke 19. But I wanna pray and ask that God would speak and he would communicate. And so Lord God, I thank you so much uh, that all authority belongs to you. Uh, Lord Jesus, it just, it says in scripture that even just at the sound of your name, at the, the proclamation of who you are, there's power and authority and significance. And we just declare that in who you are as our King, as our Lord, and that's amazing. And so Lord Jesus, would you speak uh, would you communicate through your words? God, we're, Jesus, we're gonna read a story that's all about you uh, in the gospels and it's your life. And so as we, as we do that, would you just allow your Holy Spirit to give us that authority and just understand what it is that you're revealing to us in this time. And Lord, that you would continue to have our hearts burn for our community and those that don't yet know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so it's Christmas time, right? It's December and I, I love December. I don't know about you. I just, I really enjoy it. I love all the sweets and treats and desserts. That's my favorite part. Um, but everybody knows that Christmas time is, is a time for family. You know, it, it's a time to be with family. And, and, and so it's also to me, a time for church family. You know, if you're a single person and like, we're your church family, like we're here, you do Christmas with us. Like that's what, we're, that's what this is all about. And so it's about family, it's about church family, but I also believe it's an opportunity to reach other people. Now more than ever, people are open to what God is doing and they're looking for something significant. So to me, those are the ones that they don't have church family yet. You know what I'm talking about? I love that word yet. So I'm praying and believing that, that we would take our soil and, and, and join it up together and, and reach the ones that don't yet have a church family. Because here's the deal, they need it. And you and I are to be that answer, a part of the answer and to bring the solution to them. And so let's take a look at what Jesus talked about and taught in Luke 19, starting in verse one. It's so Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. 
And so Jericho is actually a famous city. If you've followed Christ or if you've read the Bible for a little bit, it's a famous city because of Joshua 6. When you go in the Old Testament, you understand that the Israelites were coming into the promised land and so they had to, they had to take over certain cities. Well, Jericho had these huge walls around the whole entire city and it was impenetrable. They knew they're going, we can't take this. And just on the military level, extremely difficult. And the reason it's famous is because God miraculously caused those walls to come down. And the Israelites were able to sweep in and take that, take that city over. And so to me, when I read that, like the Lord is in the demolishing business. Uh, and I love that about him and who he is. And so he's about breaking down walls. And I believe that he wants to break down some walls in our lives. Do, do, do you have some walls in your life that we've put up? Maybe it's to separate ourselves from other people. Maybe it's to separate ourselves in our relationship with God. It's like, okay, you stay there. I've got this wall. We keep him at a distance. But I believe that God is gonna bring down some walls just like he did in Joshua 6. Because here Jesus is coming into Jericho. And at this point in time in Jesus' life and ministry, he is so popular. I mean, he is like at the, the paramount of popularity that he experienced in his whole entire ministry. I'm talking about, he had so many YouTube followers, so much money was coming in, you know, and, and he had Insta followers, like he just, like nobody's business, so many, the most on the planet at the time. And you know, it just is incredible. So he's, he's going through this town of Jericho. And the thing that's incredible with all these people, with everything that's going on, I mean, there's just this, this all, all the, the streets are lined with people and he is after one particular person. You know, and it talks about it in those first few verses. It says, and Zacchaeus, Jesus comes into Jericho and Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And so I wanna say to you, some of you need to hear this, that I believe that you're that particular one person. Wherever it is that you are, whether you're here in the auditorium or you're watching online, I believe that Jesus, he's coming after you, not in a weird, bad way, but he's got his mind and his thoughts are focused on you. He's, he's thinking about you. He, he's compassionate for you. He's longing for you. He, you're on his radar. He's looking for you and because he, he cares so much. Like he cares so much about who, who you are. So his heart is bent toward you and your situation right now. And so everyone's lining the streets in Jericho. I'm not even kidding you. Literally, there's the possibility that everyone in the whole city, they were like, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, because they had all heard about him. I mean, this is years and years after he had done miracles. I mean, this is the, the peak of his popularity. So literally, there is a citywide parade and Jesus is coming in. And Zach, can I call him that? Are you cool with that? So Zach, Zacchaeus, he's the chief tax collector. Now, Nobody likes taxes. I don't care who you are. Nobody likes taxes. I've never, ever heard anyone in my whole entire life, I love the IRS. I love them and what they do. I've never heard anybody say that. And so nobody likes the tax collector. And especially nobody likes the chief tax collector. So Zacchaeus was in charge of all the tax collectors in that entire region. And we read and understand, so he was not just rich, he was very rich. He was very, very wealthy. And why is that? Because in that time, what would happen is the Romans were in rule 
and they would empower Jews in that particular area and region to tax you know, the people in that city, in that area. And oftentimes the, the tax collectors would overcharge or they would find a way to, to steal money from, their, from other people in their city, their neighbors basically, and friends and family so that they themselves could get rich. Well, so he's on top. Like of all the guys that are doing that, he gets, he gets the most kickbacks out of everybody. And the thing that I love is and Zacchaeus, who was so wealthy, probably had a really big house, a lot of stuff. He was aware of Jesus and he had to see for himself what was going on and what this guy was all about. But there's something interesting about this. And I want to share, this is my first point is we can't get there on our own though. Because in, in uh, verse three, it continues. It says, he tried. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And so we don't have enough on our own. We really don't. We need some help. And, and so do you understand the magnitude of what we're talking about? I mean, we're not talking about a regular dude. We're talking about the chief tax collector who unfortunately was a little bit short, so he couldn't see over the crowd. Okay, I get it. Those of you that are short, it's a problem. So you got to figure it out. So he goes down to the tree and climbs the tree. Who else is in the tree? Probably the other children. I mean, so this, this guy is willing to humble himself and say, all right, I'll climb the tree with the kids because I got to see him too. But the thing that's interesting is we can't get there on our own. We think we can. And when I begin to, to line this up on a spiritual level, what happens is we go, oh, but if I do enough good, like if I do enough right things, when, when, when the balance of my life comes, like hopefully the good outweighs the bad. And, and so that's just not the case. We will never measure up. We can never do enough good to outweigh the bad in our life. It's just not possible. But the thing that's incredible is we don't have to. We don't have to do that. Jesus already did it. He paid the price for you and I so we could be redeemed, you know, before the Lord. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, now I just worship him and honor him for who he is. He paid the ultimate price. He did the best thing. And so the thing that I love about Zacchaeus, what he does, I just, I think there's something significant about his desperation. He was willing to put his ego and pride aside, climb the tree with the other children just so he could see Jesus. I love that. I just, I, sometimes I wonder at what lengths would you and I go to, to do that? You know, what, what things, what, what extremes are we willing to do? I mean, he just, he just climbed a tree, you know, but sometimes I think God is saying, all right, what are you willing to do for me? So if we're willing to push everything aside just to get a glimpse at what God might do, I think that's significant. And so then we find ourselves in verse five and it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And so I just, man, when you understand Jesus and who he is, this to me is a man, like Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, who's a man not yet in the house. He, he's not yet there. He does not yet know Christ. He has not experienced him. And so if you put yourself in Zacchaeus's place, we have one of two options. It's either yes or no. Jesus is saying, hey, I want to come and hang out with you. Can you imagine how excited he was? That probably would just be amazing. Jesus is so popular. You're the one I want to come and have lunch with today. So my question to us now is, if Jesus calls you and he says you by name and he knows you and he says, I want to come and hang out with you, is your response yes or no? Because Zacchaeus is like, yes, 
great, he's so excited, this is going to be awesome. But I know sometimes in our life, if we're totally honest, God calls us, Jesus brings some things in front of us, he's like, hey, let's hang out, and we go, hmm, man, I'm not so sure. This isn't so great, I'm not sure about this whole church thing. I'm, I'm not sure about this relationship with Christ and having a growing relationship. I'm not sure about the Holy Spirit. You keep talking about that and that's kind of weird to me. And you know, and gosh, you, you want to come over to my house for lunch? What, my house isn't totally clean. What if the kids don't behave well? You know, what, what about the bottles that are on the, the, the bar table from last night? I'm going to have to explain like what was going on. I might be embarrassed for that. I mean, right? Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes our response, we are like, hmm, not so much. But Zacchaeus' response we find in verse six. He quickly, quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and enjoy. So he's excited. He's like, yes, Jesus is coming over for lunch. That's awesome. Wouldn't that be so cool? So if he said, hey, I want to come over for lunch, automatically we go, all right, well, what do I have in the fridge? What do I have? And so Zacchaeus wasn't worried about that. Like he, he was very rich. He, he, he had people that made food for him. So he called Uber Eats. They shot in. They dropped some stuff off. They're good. And so, man, th that's so neat that this happened to Zacchaeus. So my question to you is, what if you were one of the people that was standing on the street? Jesus comes by. Jesus stops. And, and that guy, you're like, him? Like, I'm here. Like, wh what, what about me? So that's kind of what I want to talk to us about as well is because usually when we're experiencing a great move of God in our life or something significant for us, there's other people that are going to be upset or they might be a little bit jealous. And I affectionately call them haters. That's my second point is that there will always be haters against us. And because in verse seven, it says, but people were displeased. He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Can you imagine being displeased with Jesus? I mean, he does all this stuff. So they're jealous, really, of Zacchaeus. That's, I mean, and I get it. Right? He's stealing. He's rich. They're jealous of him already. They're angry at him because of the taxes thing. And then Jesus picked that guy. You, like, you could have picked me. And so they grumbled. They were upset. And the th I love scripture. Just so you know, when you dive into scripture and you begin to extrapolate certain things, there are so many descriptive natures about it. It doesn't just simply call him a sinner. It says he's a notorious sinner. Not just any kind. Of, like everybody knows all of the sins that this guy does. Can you imagine if all of your sins were out there for everyone else to see? Not so exciting, notorious sinner. I mean, just think how bad this guy actually had to be to be that. And some of us, we look at our lives and we're like, I can relate. And come on, like, right? We get it, we understand. We know our story very best. We know the, the, we know the things that we think, the, th the decisions that we've made, the shame and the guilt that we carry along. And we're like, mm, that hurts, that stings. And so some of us, that's our life. We, we can relate with that. But the thing that's incredible that I love, love, love is that, that doesn't really matter. You know, he was notorious, but Jesus picked that guy. And that's why I said at the beginning, I was like, Jesus has you on his radar. You know, regardless of where you're at, what you're going through, and so many people that I talk to, and maybe that you've talked to as well, when we invite them to come to church, sometimes they'll go, oh, 
Like, I can't go in a church. You know, my life is too messed up. It's all jacked up. I, you know, my decisions and, whew, you know, the whole lightning thing and the walls will fall down. Like, it, it just ain't going to work. And, and a lot of people that I talk to, they'll say they feel like they've got to get their life straightened out before they come to church. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you, you maybe felt that way. You're like, oh gosh, I could never. And, and we think we've got to do that on our own. But here's what we need to understand. That is so false. There, there is nothing true about that at all. There is nothing about that, that what, you know, what Jesus is saying. So what if you allowed Jesus to call your name? And he said, hey, I know your lifestyle already. I know what you've done, where you've stolen, where you've cheated. But I'm saying your name right now. And I just, I want to hang out with some with you today. You know, I can remember several years ago, I was talking with one of my neighbors. And, and so I, please understand, I, I, am, I am very careful how I handle my neighbors that live literally on my street next to me because I get it. Like what I do is different. Sometimes people treat me differently. They think about me different. I get it. It's just a title. I'm just a man. You know, please, you know, ask my wife and my sons, like they'll tell you, he's just a regular guy. He's got issues too. But what, you know, when my neighbors, when I talk to them and I meet them and like, I enjoy that. I love just relationships. And so then they get to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, you're a pastor. And, and then they get weird and it's okay. Um, but I remember several years ago, I was talking with one of my neighbors and you know, we had, we had developed a little bit of a relationship, really cool guy, you know, not going to church, didn't, you know, knew about God, kind of went before um, and I told him, I said, look, man, I just, I, I would love for you to come with me. Just, you know, one time I just, I would really, you know, would you be my guest? And he looked at me and said, man, I don't have the right clothes to go to church. And my, my heart sunk. I was like, what? Like, we're talking about clothes. I mean, look what I wore to church today, bro. You know, so, I mean, but here's what it is. He had grown up in a church where, boy, they got decked out. Like church was like, you got dressed up. You wore your dress shoes, your slacks. You, you didn't wear, like you wore a jacket and a tie. There was, it wasn't business casual. I'm talking about black tie event every single Sunday. And so he's like, man, I don't have that stuff anymore. And I just like, I, I felt like I just had, had this grieving for him and I understood where he's at. You know, for us as, as a church, like we, we don't ever, ever look down on people based on what they're wearing, you know, clothing, the outward appearance, that is not who we are. That's not the type of church that we are and, and, and the culture that we have. I mean, we do suggest wearing clothes to church, but what they are is totally up to you. Um, but this church will never, ever ostracize somebody because of their, their status, because of their appearance, uh, because of the past background you, that you have, the decisions that you've made, that's not, like, we're Grace Church. You know, we all have issues together. We bring our junk here and that's what this is all about. And so I just, I wanna encourage you with that because sometimes, and I believe even maybe right now, why not today that God might do something in you, but even with that, there's gonna be somebody that's gonna be jealous and that's okay. That's not on you, that's on them. What if you and I experience this great move of God in our life? Because what we're all about is the, my third point, is that we're after significant life change. That's what we're desperate for. Because in verse eight, it says this, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And so this is extravagant. 
So remember, he's very wealthy. So just to say half, like we're talking about lots of zeros, lots of commas, and like a ton of cash. He's like, I'll give that all to the poor. And here's the, the reality. He definitely cheated people. There's no question. That's why he's acknowledging that before Jesus. And you know, Jesus, if Jesus called him by name, Jesus knew his name. I'm sure Zacchaeus was like, yeah, he knew all the stuff I ever done. So all the people that I cheated, I'm gonna give them back. So we're talking about extravagant generosity. I mean, so he, God moves on him so greatly because Jesus is at his house. He's so moved. And to me, this is so authentic because he didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have done a little bit, you know, some, that kind of thing, but it, it makes me wonder, what would be our limit on generosity? I'm just asking the question, and you know what it is, right? You know, for you in your life, if, let's say Jesus shows up and he's like, let's go have lunch, and you're moved by the Holy Spirit, and you're like, I wanna do something significant. There's a, there's a cap. And so what happens, unfortunately, for, for some of us is we go, but I'm not rich like him. Like he had lots of money. And so if he had just half of it, he still would have plenty to live on. And so what we do is we go, oh, you know, I'm not like that. But here's the deal. If you're like comparing yourself regarding finances in this situation and that question, you've missed the whole point. This isn't about money at all because we're not Zacchaeus. Yeah, he was a rich dude, could give a lot. And some of us were not in that case, but I'll tell you what, we are absolutely compelled to give. And so my question is, what's your limit? Like what, what, type, what, what type of generosity are you willing to do? And so to me, what does it look like in church? What does it look like in the community when you see somebody else in need? Are you willing to go to a, a great lengths to help somebody that's hurting? where maybe they're, they're struggling in their finances right now and it's Christmas time. You're like, hey, let me help you out. Or, or you know, job, they're, they're struggling with things or marriage or somebody where you go, gosh, I, there's just something not right. Are you willing to go at a certain length and what's your limit in that? I mean, how would you respond? Because when it comes down to it, it's really not about money. We think it is and we get wrapped up in that. And so here's my challenge to you. Um, if you're new in Christ, like I get it, like you're, you're growing and taking steps and that's awesome. But if you are a mature believer, if you've been following Christ for a little while and you're like, yes, I'm into this, our correct response should be anything. God, if you put this person on my heart and, and, and you want me to respond this way, I'll do it. It's an act of obedience. And God, really, all this, everything that I have is yours anyway. And so what a great opportunity for me to minister to them and pray for them. And so God, I don't wanna hold anything back from you. So whatever you want, you let me know and I'll do it. That's, that's the level of maturity. That's the depth of discipleship that we're talking about. And so really, when it comes down to it, it's not a dollar amount. It's absolutely everything to do with our heart and our willingness to respond in that situation. And so how would you respond to that? Because really it's about worshiping God and it's about other people. And so that's where we get our fourth point. It's about our heart for others. Look what Jesus says and how he responds to Zacchaeus's generosity. He says, salvation has come to this home today. 
For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. So he had the right lineage, but his lifestyle didn't line up with what he knew he was supposed to be doing. And see, what we need to understand is Zacchaeus knew about church. I even would guarantee that Zacchaeus had been in synagogue before. He probably was a good Jewish boy. He would go to synagogue and, you know, he learned the Torah. Like that, that's what they all did. But then what happened is he got wrapped up in this job and things began to change. How often does that happen in our life? We're like, yeah, I know about God. Yeah, I do church. And, but, oh, man, I've, I made some decisions along the way. I got linked up with that. And, and what happens is just like him, it begins to pull us away from God. And we just have to recognize the importance of it because Jesus himself says that I came to help the lost. And so when you lay this out, that's our calling as well. We're to be like him. So those that are disconnected from church, maybe they knew church before, but they, they hadn't been in a while. Maybe they feel marginalized in their life. They just feel pushed aside. They feel like nobody recognizes that they even exist. And I promise you, you have friends that feel that. They feel ostracized, they feel pushed aside. They're broken and they're hurting. And when, so when Jesus goes into Jericho and he's like, I'm going after Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't go in there and like, let me find you know, the most popular Christian around here and so I can hang out with them. No, no, no. So many examples when Jesus found the person who was hurting maybe the most, so desperate. I think that also describes you and I. We've had a time in our life when we've been so desperate. We've been so hurting, broken. You might be in that situation now. And I'm telling you, like Jesus is here, the Holy Spirit's here, he's calling you out by name. And so I just, I, I, I need you to respond to that. And you, you might be watching online and be like, oh my gosh, that's me. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind, Jesus is calling you out. And so for those of us, let's just say we've already had lunch with Jesus. Because there are some who need to have lunch with him, right? He came to seek and save, to, to seek and save you. That, that's, you need to have lunch with him and hang out a little bit. But then there's other, others of us, we've already done that. We know what that's like. We know what it, 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 the experience is like. So what are we supposed to do? Quite simply, now we get this incredible opportunity to be an extension of him where we know what that feels like. So now we get to give it to somebody else. And so I believe that the church is the answer. The church is the solution that we can go in and through our town that we know and recognize the people that we know and those who are not yet part of a church family, and they're in your life. Because here at Grace Church, the phrase we use, we call it a bringing culture. I love inviting people. I hope that you're inviting them to come, but there is something significant about bringing somebody with you. It's like, hey, come try out my church. I'll come with you. We'll meet. Let's grab coffee together. We'll ride together. I'll bring you with me. We'll go to first or second service. Like there's something significant about bringing. So what happens is when we do that, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't change somebody, but when the power of the Holy Spirit's here and Jesus is here and we're hanging out, it just like significant life change happens. And so our purpose is to bring that to the community. 
who those who don't yet know him. And really, we're to be the church and to usher in God's presence in his kingdom here on earth. Let me give you a, a, another analogy. It, it, maybe this will make sense. Uh, how, if, you, if you're willing, like how many of you would, would say you've been on a cruise, a cruise ship, went on a cruise, put your hand up. Uh, yep, me too, I've been on several. Yeah, so many hands up. Those of you without your hands up, like, come on, let's go. Like, let's go, like, do it for Christmas. Or cruises are fun, they're awesome. So I've been on them, enjoy them so much. Uh, they're super relaxing, Nicole and I love them. We don't have to make any food. We don't have to serve anybody. We can just get spoiled and relax and chill, love to eat, you know, that kind of thing. But here's why I bring that up. Church is not meant to be a cruise ship. It is not, like I'm not the cruise director, you're not just here to hang out and chill and I get to serve drinks. Like that's not what this is all about. In fact, I would say Grace Church is supposed to be more like a battleship than a cruise ship where we are going after it and we're trying to transform a community with the radical love of Jesus. So we're not meant to consume everything for ourselves. We're meant to be part of something dynamic and strategic. So the church's purpose is not to just grab it all for us. It's we're supposed to share. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to meet the needs of others. We're supposed to be focused on them that are hurting and broken and lost and where Jesus uses us. And so what I wanna do is I wanna share with you just this simple concept that I, that I love to talk about periodically and it's the circle of five. I want you to identify five people in your life that don't yet know Jesus or aren't yet connected to church family. I just simply want you to start praying about them. You can think about them right now. They might be your roommate. They might be somebody at work. They might be a family member. They might be one of your own kids. Who are those five? It could be a neighbor. Circle of five, because I believe that God has put you in a sphere of influence on purpose. And so what I want to do is I want to take communion together. And forgive me for being a little bit cheesy, but I want to do communion for, yes, us and our forgiveness. We need that, no doubt. That's what God teaches biblically. But I want to do this other piece where our communion is also for our community. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to just say, you know what? I've got my circle of five. I've, you said that. I'm at two right now, but I, I think I can come up with a couple more. And, and man, what if we got to this place where we say, you know what? I'm gonna connect with Jesus and relate with him so that he can use me in their life. And maybe, just maybe God might do something significant. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for. So I want to pray. I'll, you know, when you understand communion, for, for us here at Grace Church, if you're a Christ follower, we invite you to take communion together with us. If you don't yet have elements here in the auditorium, go ahead and just slip your hands up. Our ushers would be happy to serve you. You know, if you've got them, great. And so, you know, when you understand communion and the meaning of it, it was the, the Last Supper, you know, that's what we call it. But really it was a Passover meal. Jesus is hanging out with the disciples, his friends, family. They're all there in the upper room together, hanging out in Jerusalem. And so they're partaking in the Passover meal together. And at a certain point in time in the dinner. So, I mean, we talked about lunch today, right? With Zacchaeus, Jesus is having dinner, right? So he's having dinner, Passover meal with everybody. But at a certain point in time, he, he kind of changed things. <laughs> he does that all the time. So he changes the script. 
and, and he, he picked up some bread, unleavened bread, you know, and, and so if you wanna go ahead and take your, your little delicious wafer out of there, you know, so he picks up that bread and he goes, this bread is my body. And they, I'm sure they were looking at him going, they're going, what? And so what it was is Jesus knew the sacrifice that he was going to make the very next day. Because that night and that Passover meal, that night he was betrayed, handed over, though he was sinless, was committed to, to be tortured and to be crucified, though he had committed no sin at all. So he knew, he's like, my body is going to be on the cross. Because he was fully aware of all the prophecies that were about him as the Messiah and the sacrifice he would have to make as the perfect lamb, ultimately for you and I, so that we could be redeemed and forgiven which is amazing. And so Jesus says, this is my body. And I'll pray over the elements in just a minute. We'll take them together. But he picked up the chalice. You know, it probably had some wine in it. And so we use juice and stuff. But he said, this is the cup of my new covenant. This is for the forgiveness of your sins. So what Jesus was doing is he was establishing that the old covenant, though it was good for that period of time, had come to an end. And so he was perfect and now is changing it, making it new and giving us grace, giving us this gift that we didn't deserve. So now he would give us forgiveness for our sins. And I'm, I love that we get to confess our sins before the Lord and he forgives us. And that's amazing, it's incredible. And so let's you and I pray for ourselves and the forgiveness of our sins, but we are also gonna pray for those five people that are on our hearts right now, that are in our circle. And so, Lord God, we come before you. And Father, I thank you so much for how you speak through your word. Uh, Lord, it is absolutely unbelievable sometimes when your Holy Spirit comes in a room and, and we dive into your scripture. And God, it's just so poignant to us. Thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that you laid your life down for us. And so, God, I know many of us, we, we commit our lives after you. We want to follow you and know you. And Father, I, th I thank you so much for, for many of us. We've had lunch with Jesus. We know what it's like. We're, it's great and amazing. And so Lord God, would you do something incredible through us? And so God, right now we lift up our circle of five, our friends and our family members. Lord, we see their face. We know their name. Lord, would you use us and in their lives that we would be able to just love on them and encourage them and speak your truth. Holy Spirit, would you begin to move in us and in them, that we would be an extension of you. Uh, and Father, I thank you so much for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, for your body, we remember what you did and what it cost you. And we understand its importance. And so with that, we are honored that we get to take communion together as a church family and what that means, Lord, in our community. Lord, would you bless these elements in Jesus' name. Take and eat Christ's body given for you. And in the same way, Christ's blood for the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus' name.